my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he remembered his promise of mercy. The promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Wow. Would you let Stephanie know one more time how much you appreciate her? What a beautiful, beautiful way to introduce the scripture. What she sang, that's Mary's song. It's found in Luke chapter 1. It's in that very first playlist. And if you were looking for what's the big idea of Mary's song... The big idea has to do with disruption. That Mary realizes, well, Christmas is no little thing. That this baby that's born has come to turn the world upside down. It's a song of disruption. Now, here in the Silicon Valley, we hear a lot about disruption, and usually it has to do with technology, you know, a new innovation, a new business model that disrupts the market. But today, since it's, well, it's Christmas season, I want to invite you to think with me differently about that image. And to get things started, I need to ask you a very personal question. How many have put their Christmas tree up already? Let me see your hands. Wow. Well, my wife and I, we put our Christmas tree up. And last year, what we did is we, we put up a little tree. And it was perfect for our entryway. It set right in a little corner, a little tree. I didn't have to move any furniture, didn't have to move any plants. It was all nice and neat and tidy it was a small tree, but this year it was different. We pulled out the big tree. 
I'm talking a big tree. It was so big, I had to anchor it to the foundation of our home. (laughs) We're talking a big tree. I mean, it was so big, I had to get an actual star to put up on the top of it. It's a big tree. It is so big, it took four of us. It took my son, my wife, myself, and my mother-in-law to carry it in. And I gave my mother-in-law the heavy end. (laughs) I'm in trouble when I get home. In fact, I even took a picture of it so I could share it with you. You can see it right up on the screens, our tree at our house. (laughs) It's not quite that big. But that tree, I mean, uh, the tree we put in this year, boy, I had to move chairs and tables and that kind of tree. It turns your whole house upside down. It's disruptive. And the song of Mary is a song about disruption. That, well, Christmas is no small thing. Chairs start to move and tables start to move and it turns the whole world upside down. It's a radical song. It's a revolutionary song. Did you know that this song that you just heard, that there have been times three different countries banned that song from being spoken in public because of its revolutionary nature. And it was written by a 15-year-old. She's probably 15. A 15-year-old girl. But she got it. She got it. She recognized that the birth of her son It's no small thing. It's going to turn the world upside down. It's what you call disruption. And if you're ready for your life to be disrupted in the best kind of way, would you say with me, I'm ready. I'm ready. Say it again. I'm ready. Say it one more time. I'm ready. Let's give God praise, amen, for the disruption that we have at Christmas. Now, here are three ways that Christmas disrupts our world. And the first one has to do with, these are on your outline. The first one has to do with Christmas disrupting our plans, how Christmas disrupts our plans. When we meet Mary, she is engaged. You never know what's going to happen when you come to Cathedral of Faith. I got here a couple hours early yesterday before service. That's what I always do to make sure everything's prepared. And I come walking in this side, and up here on the stage, one of our band members is kneeling down in front of his girlfriend. And he is proposing to her right on the stage in front of God and everybody. And she said, yes, can somebody say amen to that? And they're right over here. Carl and Arlene, would you guys stand? Let's give them a big hand. They got engaged yesterday. Yeah. So if you're single here today, just saying, it's a magical time of year. Who knows what will happen before the end of service. And here is Mary. She's engaged, and now she's planning her wedding. 
And you know what it's like, ladies, you know what it's like to plan a wedding. I saw this one poster that said, I discovered I'm actually planning two weddings, the one inspired by Pinterest and the one I can actually afford. (laughs) And so here is Mary planning the wedding she can actually afford. And all the things that go into that, she has to get the invitations out and she has to pick out a cake and you got to find that perfect dress And then you got to figure out who's going to sit with who at the reception. Can't have them next to them. There'll be trouble. So here she is. She's planning it all out. She's going to have a nice wedding to a nice man. They're going to have a nice family. Live in a nice home with a nice picket fence around it. She's planning out her life. She's planning out a nice life, and God disrupts her plan. Gabriel greeted her and says, good morning. You're beautiful with God's beauty, beautiful inside and out. God be with you. You have nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. Would you say that with me? God has a surprise for you. And did God ever have a surprise? See, she had a nice plan, but God disrupts her plan. God has a surprise for her. And she trades a nice life for a great life. Can somebody say amen? Amen. That is what God does. We have a nice plan, and then God disrupts our plan. And we trade a nice life for a great life. The Bible says in Ephesians 3, verse 20, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. That there we are with our nice plan, and then God has a surprise for us. And disrupts the plan, and we trade in our nice plan for a great plan. Are you ready for God to disrupt your life in the best kind of way? When Mary hears about the plan, she surrenders to the plan, and she says, I serve the Lord, Mary answered. May it happen to me just as you said. She surrenders. She surrenders her nice life for a great life. And surrender is not always easy to do. I can be a bit of a control freak. Or like I would say it, I'm a control enthusiast. And I have a plan. Don't mess with my plan. Don't disrupt my plan. I have a plan. And God shows up and disrupts my plan It happened just recently. And sometimes it's tough to surrender control. But when I know that God disrupts my plan, not to ruin my life, God disrupts my plan so that I can trade in a nice life for a great life. Can somebody say amen? That that's God's heart for you. Because Dr. Wayne, next week, I don't want to have a nice week. I want to have a great week. Next month, I don't want to have a nice month. I want to have a great month. 
Next year, I don't want to have a nice year. I want to have a great year. Here at Cathedral of Faith, we don't say nice days ahead. Instead, we say great days ahead. When God disrupts your plan, he does it for one purpose, so he, you can live out the great life that he has for you. Let's give God praise. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. A great life. Great days ahead. Say that with me. Great days ahead. When you surrender that day to God and say, God, I have a plan, and then God disrupts it it and says, I have a surprise for you. Trade in that nice life for a great life. That's how we ended up with our toy ministry. A young lady who was a part of the church, she had a plan. It was a nice plan for the holidays. We all have our plans. But then God showed up and disrupted her plan and dropped a dream in her heart. What would it be like if every year as a church we could give out toys to families celebrating the greatest gift of all, Jesus Christ? And she was willing to have her plan disrupted. She traded in a nice life for a great life. And now, as that baton has been passed... And we just celebrated a moment ago all of the amazing people that God has raised up. And this afternoon, we'll be giving out thousands of toys to children who would have nothing to open this Christmas were it not for the families and the supporters of Cathedral of Faith. Let's give God praise. Amen. Way to go, Cathedral of Faith. Way to go. But it starts with disruption. God, we want to have more than a nice life. Trade in your nice life for a great life. Great days ahead. Now that brings us to the second second thing we see in Mary's song itself. That Christmas disrupts our perspective. It disrupts our plans and it disrupts our perspective. Now let me give a bit of a history lesson. When I was a kid... When dinosaurs ruled the earth. (laughs) If you wanted to watch something on television, you had to catch it when it was on. Because we didn't have DVRs where we could record it and watch it anytime we wanted. And so there was one show that came on this time of year that I would make sure I watched it. I love this show. Even though it was low tech, I love this show. Because it was a powerful, powerful moving, existential tale about an outcast, outsider, misfit who is disenfranchised, who is oppressed, who is the underdog, which has a reversal of fortune at the end of the story. Watch the screens and see if you remember this. Quiet, quiet. I've got some bad news, folks. Christmas is going to be canceled. There's nothing I can do. This weather. Rudolph, Rudolph, please. Could you tone it down a bit? I mean, that nose of yours. That nose. That beautiful, wonderful nose. Huh? Rudolph, Christmas is not off, 
and you're going to lead my team. I am? Yes, sir. You and that wonderful nose of yours. My nose, sir? Oh, from what I see now, that'll cut through the murkiest storm they can dish up. What I'm trying to say is, Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? Oh, you gotta love Rudolph, right? Any other Rudolph fans in the house? Yeah? I mean, there's something about Rudolph. See, Rudolph is the underdog. And we love to cheer for the underdog. And maybe that's why Mary's song resonates so much with us is because it's all about the underdog. How God cares for the underdog. God cheers for the underdog. Look at what she sings. She says, my soul gives glory to the Lord. My spirit delights in God, my Savior. He has taken note of me, even though I'm not considered important. From now on, all people will call me blessed. Here is Mary, an illiterate, teenage, peasant, oppressed, marginalized young lady. She is the underdog. From a human perspective, she was a nobody. Other people may not have noticed her, but God noticed her. Other people, amen, other people may have looked over her, but God noticed her. Other people may have looked right by her, but God noticed her. Other people may have looked down on her, but God noticed her. Other people may not have known her name, but they're about to know her name. It's going to go down in history because today, well, you see paintings of her and sculptures of her. There's even a football play, the Hail Mary, that's named after her. She didn't have to strive for glory. God raises up the humble and gives her glory. And the song of Mary reminds us that God cares about the underdog and God cheers for the underdog. And on a side note, I think that's why God's a Raider fan. Because the Raiders are always the underdog, it seems like nowadays. Oh my. Have you ever felt like an underdog? an outcast, a misfit, oppressed, marginalized? Have you ever felt like an underdog? There's something about the power of being noticed. There was a, a study that was done, and what they did is they took three groups of people and they gave them all the same job. But the manager responded in different ways. With this group over here, when they would turn their work in, the manager would look at them in the eye, and he'd glance at their work, and then he would file it away. Now, this group right here, group number two, when they handed him their work, he, would, well, he wouldn't look at them in the eye. He wouldn't look at their work. He would just file it away. 
And this group over here, when they turned in their work, group number three, well, the manager wouldn't look them in the eye. He just took their work. He wouldn't even file it away. He just put it right into the shredder. And here's what they discovered. Group number one, after a while, group number one, they were producing 30% more work. They were being 30% more effective, performing 30% better when they were noticed and their work was noticed. This group over here, both of these groups, they performed at the same level. It seems like if you're not noticed and your work's not noticed, it didn't matter whether they filed it or whether they shredded it. It's another reminder of how important it is that human beings, we want to be seen. We really do. We want to be noticed. And when we are, there's celebration, there's power in being noticed. Uh, My grandson went down with my wife and my daughter. They went down to see the television show, The Voice. You ever watch that show? And so they're waiting for the show to start, and the guy who's sort of the MC, he comes over, he notices my grandson. And he comes over to him, and he starts talking to him a little bit. And he says, well, we got to start the show. So he walks over, and he's on the stage, the MC, and he's explaining everything to the crowd of how things are working. He says, but to help get the show started, I need my little buddy to join me here on the stage. And he pulls my grandson out on the stage of The Voice and has him, well, do some dancing, and there's some singing, and... All I can say is watch out, Blake Shelton. There's a new kid in town. Amen. (laughs) But the power of that moment when someone notices you, whoa. And then we hear that God notices us. That even when we're the the underdog and others don't notice us, that God notices us, that he cheers for the underdog You know, in a few days, we're going to be giving out food, lots of food, but we do more than just deliver food. We deliver a message, and the message is this, that you may have fallen on hard times. You You may be down on your luck, but God notices you. And God loves you, and God cares about you, and God is cheering for you because God cheers for the underdogs, amen? God's with you, and God's for you, amen. Mary puts it this way. She says, he has lifted up people who are not considered important. He has filled with good things those who are hungry. God is good and all the time. And he fills the hungry with good things. Can we give God praise? Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. See, this this song, it's disruptive because God, God says, trade in your nice day for a great day. Let me disrupt your day. And then God wants us to know. He notices us and he's cheering for us. If you ever feel like an underdog, God's cheering for you. And then finally, 
we come to this last part, and this is really powerful, where Christmas disrupts evil powers. Look at what Mary sings. She says, he has done mighty things with his powerful arm. Can somebody say amen? Amen. He has scattered those who are proud in their deepest thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. Those are pretty brave words. I saw this one dog, and there's this little tiny crab, and he says this to the dog. He says, I got you. Bring it on, furry fella. (laughs) See? Pretty tough talk from such a little guy. I wonder what Caesar would have thought of if he'd have heard Mary sing her song. Caesar was the most powerful man in the world. He was the ruler of the empire. In fact, the Romans in that day, the way they talked about Caesar and Rome, they gave him titles. They called him the Savior. They said he was divine, the Son of God. They said he was the bringer of peace, the Pax Romana. When Augustus came into power, they said it was good news for the empire. And then you have this 15-year-old girl saying, the son that I'm about to have, he's going to be the real son of God. He's going to be the savior of the world. He's going to be the real prince of peace. He's going to bring good news for the entire world. Pretty amazing talk from a teenage girl. She could be tried for treason. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said this. He said, this song Mary sings is about collapsing thrones and humble lords of this world, about the power of God and the powerlessness of mankind. Mary's song, it's a revolutionary song. And even though she could be tried for treason, Mary sings it. In fact, the way that she sings it She is so sure that this moment means that heaven is breaking in, that evil will be defeated, that she uses the past tense. She says, he has scattered, he has brought down. For Mary, it's as good as done. She hasn't even had the baby yet. Jesus hasn't gone to the cross. Jesus hasn't come back from the dead. Jesus hasn't returned at the end of time. But Mary is so sure that it's all going to be done, that you can take it to the bank. This moment is about God breaking in and defeating evil and turning the world upside down. Let's give God praise. Amen. You can take it to the bank. Mary says, welcome to the revolution. Can you feel it? I had a chance to to minister in Italy recently. It was a wonderful privilege. And one of the places we went to, it's a place in Naples. It's a housing complex. They call, the name of it is called Gomorra. And the reason they call it that is this is the the main entry point for drugs that go through all. Throughout Europe, it comes in through Gomorrah. It's run primarily by crime families 
a very dark place, a very dangerous place. We couldn't go into that complex unless someone who lived there came and got us. And so I met one young man who lived there. He was into the whole scene. I mean, that whole scene, he's up to his neck in it. But then Jesus disrupted his life. Let me say that again. Jesus disrupted his life. Let me say it one more time. Jesus disrupted his life. And began to change everything in his life. And he got out of that scene. And he still lives in Gomorrah. But now he has a Bible study. And he invites people to that Bible study. And people are coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior right in the middle of Gomorrah. Can we give God praise? Hallelujah. Wow. There's a mini revolution going on. You can take it to the bank. Good is stronger than evil. Love is stronger than hate. Light is stronger than darkness. Welcome to the revolution. Welcome to the revolution. Amen. <laughs> Pastor Vaughn and Irene are getting ready to sing a song that is just, wow, what a way to wrap up the day. Before they do, I, I want to tell you about a short story that was written hundred well, back in the 1800s. It was written by a guy who was living at that time right over in Santa Cruz. And it was a story about, well, the, the mines in California. It was the gold rush, all kinds of mining going on. And it was about the meanest, roughest town, mining town there was. And it was inhabited, it was all men except for one woman by the name of Cherokee Sal. Cherokee Sal got pregnant and she had a baby, but when she delivered the baby, she died. Cherokee Sal died. And so now here are all these rough and tough guys with this little baby. So they take the baby, they put the baby in a box and they put some rags around the baby, but it just doesn't look right. Some about that isn't right. So they send one of the guys to town to go and get a cradle. So he comes back with a cradle, and they put the baby in the rags in the cradle. And the cradle looks great, but the rags don't look right. And so they send another guy into town, and that guy comes back. And, well, he's got some blankets and nice linens. So they wrap the baby in the nice linens and put it in the nice cradle. And now, whoa, the cradle looks great, baby looks great, but they realize how filthy the floor is. So the guys get down on their hands and knees, and they begin to scrub the floor, scrub, scrub, scrub. They get that floor clean, I mean really clean, but when they do, they notice how dirty the walls are. <laughs> and so they clean the walls, they put curtains on the windows, and now inside, boy, it looks so nice. But they have to stop fighting as much. Because the baby sleeps a lot, and when you fight, you make a lot of noise. So the whole atmosphere of the town is changing. And they go out to the mine. They love to take the baby with them, but the front of the mine is just a mess. So they plant some flowers, create a garden, and then 
When they bring stones out of the mine, they love to take beautiful stones and place them right near the baby's hands. But when they do, they notice how dirty their hands are. So they go to the grocery, they go to the store, and they buy some soap and pick up some shaving cream, pick up some cologne. When that baby came to Roaring Camp, that baby changed everything. The baby changed everything. And when that baby came to our world 2,000 years ago, that baby named Jesus changed everything. Christmas is not something you tuck in the corner. Christmas is something this is disruptive, that changes everything in the best kind of way. Let's give God praise for the power of Christmas. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Bow your heads with me for just a moment. They're getting ready to come out and sing. And as they do, let me ask you a question. If you would say, Pastor Ken, I need to become a follower of Jesus. I need to surrender my life to Jesus. Every journey stop, starts with a step, and today you want to take a step and become a follower of Jesus. Lift out your hand real high. Say, Pastor Ken, that's me. God bless you. God bless you. Right over here. God bless you. I agree with you. Today's your day. God sees your hand. He sees your heart. Even as you're reaching your hand up to heaven, God's arms are already reaching out to us. Father, thank you for this moment in time. Thank you, Lord, for how you're Meeting us in this moment, all heaven is rejoicing as people are coming home at Christmas to their heavenly Father. Jesus, I pray for all of us, wherever we're at on our journey. God, today we trade in our nice life, disrupt our lives, give us a great life. We surrender to that. God, I pray for those who, who feel like an underdog this week. God, that they would know you notice them and you're cheering them on. And I pray for those who are battling with evil in their hearts or in their homes or at work, that with Mary, we would know that, God, it's as good as done. The good will triumph over evil, that love will triumph over hate, and that light is stronger than darkness. Thank you, Jesus, for the hope that we find in you. Let's give God praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Soon deliver 
your baby boy would give sight to a blind man. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would calm a storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod when you kissed your little the face of God. the Lord. Hallelujah.